0: And Millie, a podcast about infertility and different pathways to parenthood. I'm your host, Millie Brooks. So glad you're here today and joining us for a very special episode. We are going to talk to Jess Vite about her birthing experience after going through infertility. You may remember Jess from episode 57 when she talked about her failed frozen embryo transfers. Jess, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I know this is, you know, we've we've had a few conversations today. This is a tough topic. I think it's a tough topic for, well, I don't want to speak for everyone, but it's a tough topic for me, and I think it's a tough one for you too.
1: Yeah, it definitely is, and I think that um, a lot of women – you know, they have this vision in plan when it when it comes to birth, whether IVF baby or not, or IUI baby, um, and you have this vision in your head. And when it doesn't go exactly planned, or when you, you know, face some sort of trauma during birth or after birth, it can be really
0: hard um, to talk about. Oh, 100%. A hundred percent. I totally agree because I think, well, one thing I think after going through infertility, that being its own sort of traumatic journey. And then you sort of, you want the birthing experience to be just magical. You just want, you just want something easy and wonderful and peaceful and like effortless do yeah and you know and I think I made the mistake
1: of when I was about like halfway through my pregnancy watching these beautiful home births, and I was like oh my gosh that just looks so magical and like the connection that these women felt like right away with their babies um, almost like jaded me and so I kind of went into my birth thinking that it was going to be literally like glitter spray painted on the wall like just this beautiful, this beautiful thing. And it was scary. And it was lonely, even though my husband was there, you know, it was right in the thick of COVID. So we had to isolate ourselves before the birth, I couldn't see my family or my friends. And it was just a really, I mean, having a baby during COVID just is like another layer um, of anxiety.
0: And and stress, you know. Oh, a hundred percent. The isolation is real. Yeah. You know? And you yeah. y- and you feel like you don't have your village, you know, like your yes. village is is somewhere else in the distance. Yes. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. It's hard. Um, well, I just wanted to, you know, kind of backtrack a little bit. You know, the last time you were on the show, um, you know, you were in your final weeks of pregnancy. Yes. And why don't we kind of like go back there? Let's start there. Let's start the conversation there.
1: Okay. I think I was like 36 weeks when we had spoke. Um, And I remember dealing with like terrible heartburn when we were talking and I was like, oh my gosh, please don't puke. Please don't burp. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, so we... I was dealing also with like, um, I don't know if I have just a smaller torso or what, but like very bad rib pain. Um, Our baby Everett just lived in my ribs. And when he was born, he was 21 inches long. So I was like, well, I guess that kind of explains why my ribs felt like they were breaking. Oh, wow.
0: He (laughs) was uh, snuggled up in that rib rib cage. He for sure was. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think I
1: was about 36 weeks and I had went to my, um, 39th week, um, checkup with my doctor. And I just remember sitting there on the exam table, like in tears, like I wanted Everett to be here in my arms, but I was also You know like terrified for birth i didn't want to schedule um an induction and i was very private about it um on my instagram account like i didn't even tell really anybody that we were being induced but at that appointment we had decided um he was like well i'll let you go to 40 weeks but i won't let you go further than that because he's an ivf baby And we've had conversations about this
0: before. I remember our conversation when I was 39 weeks, I called you and I was like, Jess, like there's so many conflicting opinions out there about, you know, how, how long, how far do you go with an IVF pregnancy?
1: Yeah. And I still like, I have yet to this day to get, um, a response or an answer that I can like wrap my head around. It doesn't make sense. Like in my oh, eyes, Amen. Amen to that. You know? Jess. amen. <laughs> like an IVF baby, an IUI baby is no different than a regular conception in my eyes. I mean, you know, but um, there's a lot of differences, but when it comes to birthing that baby, I don't think that there's a lot, there's too much of a difference. So it didn't make sense to me, but you know, this being our first baby and our first pregnancy, I was like, okay, like just a deer in headlights and didn't know what to do and just, you know, kind of ran with it. And so we had scheduled an induction um, for, I was about 40 weeks and like two or three days.
0: Oh my um, gosh, Jess, that is identical to us. That's crazy. That's yeah. nuts. Okay. It's, so you did schedule your induction. What type of induction?
1: So I wanted to try to do like the less invasive, um, you know, as possible. So we went into the hospital. It was like we were checking into a hotel. It was so weird at 8 p.m. at night um, on a Thursday. And then once I got like all settled in, they gave me um, cetricide, cetricide, I think is what it was called. That sounds like an IVF medication. Um, maybe it was something <laughs> different, but it was something like it started with a C. So I did that and it was a pill that, you know, they stuck in vaginally. And then I waited until the next morning. I took another one of those orally, though, this time at nine. Um, And about I just remember my um, my family had done Is it like
0: Cytotech. Cytotec, that is what it is. Cytotec, okay. yeah, I think it's a misoprostol, things. Okay, yeah. and it, and it's um another prostaglandin drug. I think, yes. yeah. So they
1: had told me my cervix was unfavorable, so I guess that helped to ripen it. Um, I was like, okay, well. Do whatever you have to do Unfavorable. and favorable. Yeah, I was like, wow, well, that's a great way to start this birthing process. <laughs> Let me put
0: that on my resume. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: So yeah, I took the second one in the morning and then um I was just, you know, kind of going out of my mind and didn't know what to do. And Ryan was sitting there just I think we maybe had the TV on or something. And then all of a sudden, like I hadn't slept the night before, obviously, because I was just pumped full of adrenaline and thought he was going to be here by this point. Like, I don't know. I was just blind to birth pretty much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And
1: um, I was laying on my side in the hospital bed and I felt this like huge kick like up towards my ribs. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, I got to go to the bathroom. And so I went up to go pee and just water, like, not like gushing, but just water started dripping down. Mm-hmm. But then it was, you know, mixed with blood. And I was like, Ryan, I think you should go get the nurse. And so he grabbed the nurse and she was like, your water just broke. And so that was kind of cool. So my water broke by itself. And I was like, this is so awesome. Like my body is accepting whatever medication that was, and it's doing what it's supposed to do. Um, and then... About, I would say an hour after that, I got like the most intense contractions mm. and I was like, give me an epidural right now. And they were like, well, let's try to, you know, get a little further. And so, you know, I was bouncing on the ball and Ryan was rubbing my back and kind of just, you know, trying to get in my element and, then we ended up starting Pitocin and an epidural at like 5 p.m. that night, I want to say. Um, and the epidural lasted for maybe 20 minutes. And <gasps> then,
0: oh, yeah. Yes. yeah.
1: And then, mm-hmm. at, and I was totally fine with getting an epidural. Like, mm-hmm. I know, you know, there's so many different views on that, but that was, I was okay with that, like a part of my birth plan. Like, Sure, I I want to take an epidural, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and
1: um yeah it didn't work, and so the anesthesiologist came back in and he tried to find like another point to put it back in in my back,
0: yeah. And
1: at this point, I was like contracting so hard, so I was trying not to move. Um, and I want to say this was like maybe at nine or ten that night. So this was the next day, so Friday. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: did the second epidural and then it lasted for about an hour and then completely wore off like I could still move my legs um feel everything you know but at that point it was almost better for me to feel because then I could tell you know when I needed to push and
0: right. how I needed
1: to push and how I needed to bear down and all of that so um Yeah. Next time around, I probably won't even mess with the epidural. I don't I talked to my sister about it afterwards and she was like, that's so crazy. She goes, I didn't feel a thing like just pressure, Mm. but I felt everything. Wow. So, yeah, it was wild. Um, So, yeah, long story short, he ended up I started pushing um, at 430 Saturday morning. And then I ended up having him at like f- almost six o'clock. So like an hour and a half, I guess, of pushing.
0: Okay. That sounds reasonable.
1: And, I mean, yeah, and, I mean, I didn't think it was that bad. I was obviously contracting, you know, for a long time. And the, it was weird because I guess all the women like in the maternity ward decided to go into labor at the same time. And the doctor like wasn't coming into the room like I had to push like I was like Ryan like I have so much pressure down there I have to start pushing and the nurse was like you have to wait you have to wait the doctor's not ready
0: Oh my gosh and you hear that happening quite often actually I do uh, yeah I've heard that happening a lot so Ryan
1: had one leg and the nurse had the other and I was just sitting there pushing and we were just doing like pretty much all the work before the doctor came in And then, um, and then, yeah, he ended up coming in and Everett was born and, um, he was put on my chest for about, I don't know, maybe five, 10 minutes. And then it kind of just, that's when my like trauma happened afterwards. And, um,
0: it kind of just is like, it's a blur, but it's not a blur, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you kind of like go in and out of consciousness or have you black blocked? blocked it out a little bit um maybe a little bit of
1: both um i just remember so for those who are listening i guess just to i need to talk about this at some point um millie you know i've been texting you all morning flipping out about this interview yes because it has been so i mean i haven't even been able to write about our birth story um and I should say, Everett's first story was absolutely beautiful. Like, it was, it was like out of a picture book. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. But the afterbirth is what still haunts me, I guess, and is difficult for me to talk about. Um, so they took Everett right afterwards because he just wasn't breathing like he should have. And so they took him over to the exam table. And Ryan went over with him and they were, you know, doing their whole thing. And I was looking over at him, like from across the room and just staring at him in awe. And just, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure you remember this. It's just kind of like a euphoria, right? When the baby gets there, like it does not feel real. Like I didn't yeah. feel that like crazy, magical, instantaneous connection right away. Like mm-hmm. a lot of women talk about, and I don't know why I got that when I got home. Um, when I was sitting on the couch with him, but, um, yeah, so anyways, they were dealing with Everett and then all of a sudden my doctor shoved his entire, I don't want to get too graphic, but his entire arm all the way up to his elbow inside me and was just pulling my, um, placenta out. My placenta was, ret- it was duck. And it wouldn't come out. And I guess usually right after birth, your body releases a hormone and it's like a jellyfish and it just rolls out of your body. Like they massage your stomach and it comes right out. Right. Or they tug on the umbilical cord. Well, mine, it started coming off in pieces. Okay. Um. And so he, the doctor, I could just, I I just remember looking down at his face and he was just white. And he has been in the industry forever.
0: Oh, that, that would do me in, you know, like seeing the person who's like supposed to be steering the ship right now, like, like look scared.
1: Yeah. I mean, his eyes just went just blank and he, he was sweating and he was shaking and he was just trying with all his might to get all of my placenta out. And then he ended up calling And then at this point, like Ryan noticed like something's wrong. And so he ran back over with me and was holding, you know, my leg up while, while the doctors inside of me trying to scrape all my placenta out. And it was, I guess I didn't even see it, but I guess it was just coming out in chunks like egg sized chunks. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so he called in like another couple doctors, the anesthesiologist, they gave me some sort of painkiller. I want to say it was like ketamine or something like mm-hmm. they gave me a whole cocktail of things and I just, I was awake
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and I remember being there and I remember everything pretty vividly, but the pain level obviously went down. Mm-hmm. Um And so right after that, um, he couldn't get all the placenta out. So they had to do a DNC surgery right there.
0: Oh my gosh. Right there. They, they couldn't. Yeah. It was immediate. Yeah.
1: So because it was just coming out in pieces, he didn't, he couldn't leave any of it in there. And so they just did a DNC right there. Um, so a couple more doctors came in and, And at this point, so my family is huge and, you know, pre-COVID, we had all planned them being in the waiting room and, you know, doing that whole thing and then coming and visiting us afterwards. Well, because of COVID, they were actually out in the parking lot and just staring at our window like we were three floors up and they had
0: like a whole tailgate party set up. Oh, and I so, remember seeing that. I remember seeing yeah. that. And then one of them was videotaping and then videotaped Ryan bringing Everett to the window. To so the window. And that like video is
1: just, oh my gosh, that video. I can't even watch it now still without crying. But um, so they were all out there just waiting and wondering what was going on. Because like my mom had said, like, they saw all these people run in and they saw the all the lights go on cuz the lights were you know dim when i was having him and um so yeah so the doctors ended up, another team of doctors ended up coming in doing the surgery and at that point i was just i mean i was exhausted like yeah. i could not oh, even, Jess. i was just in pain and like what just happened i almost You know, I guess I was like bleeding a ton too. I didn't need an, an infusion at that point. I ended up going three weeks postpartum and had to have another surgery because they didn't get all the placenta. I remember that. I remember you sharing that. Yeah. And so that was like a whole other ordeal and I had to have blood transfusions and I hemorrhaged and I don't know. It was
0: just, you know... And not you can't prepare for that, you know you can't. there's no way that you could prepare yourself emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally for that moment. you right. know you just have you're just in you're so powerless, you are in the hands of these doctors right yeah. now, your life right. is in their hands,
1: yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, it's just like. I mean, it's weird to like talk about it because I haven't thought about it in so long. And there's so many other things that happened during my birth, like that were scary and beautiful at the same time. But it's like my mind won't even allow me to fully go there. You know, Mm -hmm. like I remember Mm -hmm. biking a fever during uh, the labor and having to get you know, antibiotics because I was fevering so bad and I don't even remember really that or, you know, the fact that I was trying
0: to get two epidurals and they didn't work or I don't know. Jess, that's so funny you say that because the same thing happened to me. Really? And see, and that's
1: something Millie, like I haven't even, I remember you posted your birth story. And I just liked it. And I, I, you know how much I love and adore you, but I can't read it. Like I can't read other birth stories. Yeah.
0: I don't know if you're like that, but, but tell me a little bit about, so you also. Yeah. I mean, I spiked a fever. Um, you know, I got the fully bulb. Um, we use the fully bulb induction method and immediately after they inserted the the Foley bulb, I started vomiting. It was just like instantaneous. The pain was just like so horrendous. Um, I was vomiting all over the place. I mean, I didn't, and I didn't even know you, you vomited when you were in labor. And apparently that was common. That's a common thing. I did not know that either. Isn't that wild?
1: That is, I'm sure that um, really hurt.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, it was awful because I felt so dehydrated. I was so dehydrated. So they were giving me IVs of liquid, of, you know, fluid. Um, And then I also got a fever um, where, and they, they gave me like these major antibiotics, which I was like trying to remember. I just remember trying to like mentally take notes of all the medicine they were giving me. And I couldn't like, at one point I couldn't re I couldn't keep track. I could like my body couldn't keep up with the amount of, um, care that it needed, you know? Yeah. I can totally relate to that. Yeah. When we went
1: into the hospital to be induced, I had um, a little notebook pulled up on my phone and had Ryan while I was taking notes at first and then had Ryan like fill in notes. And then at one point it had just stopped. Like (laughs) we were just like too overwhelmed to even look at our phone, let alone take notes of what was going on. You know? Yes.
0: Yes. Oh, I totally Yes, I so yeah. I feel that so deeply. Um, and I uh, yeah, like the fever, I ended up getting an infection, and we had the same th- like you said antibiotics. and I had the antibiotics, and I remember asking the nurse like, which what kind of antibiotics are these?" And she was like,, yeah. these are the four big daddy." antibiotics and I was just like okay so (laughs) I like my brain you can't process it you can't process it because things are changing so so fast Mm -hmm. yeah exactly um and then like after so long I don't know I was uh, I after 36 hours of contractions and Vomiting and fever and uh, infection. Yeah. I was just like, cut me open, please. Yeah, just, you're like, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. done. I'm done. And I was, um, yeah, Tony, in my arms. That's I, all I care about. That's all I care about. That's all <laughs> yep. I care about. Um, and then I was, I, I don't know if this happened to you, but I started shaking uncontrollably. Yes. Yes. I remember that
1: too. Um, I just remember, so when I started, like, contracting, like, hardcore, Ryan, we had been up since, you know, Thursday morning, um, you know, the previous day. So I started shaking and contracting pretty bad, what was it, Friday night, and I remember looking over at Ryan, and he was so tired, like, his eyes were bloodshot, he was trying his hardest to stay awake, and... He started like dozing, like doing the head bob thing. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. was like, babe, I, I need you to wake up. Like I think something's happening. Like I feel like I have to poop really bad. And I feel like Everett's head is like right there. Like I need to start pushing. And he was like, no, I, like he was like delirious at that point. And I was like, go get caffeine, go get coffee, go get something like you need to wake up right now. And he ended up running down the hall and chugging like four Pepsis or something. Yeah. (laughs) They didn't have like coffee or something. And then he came back and he like was helping me breathe and like rubbing my head. But like the contractions were so intense that I couldn't even like speak really Mm -hmm. um and i I know you know anybody who's been through labor can relate to that but you're it's just such an overwhelming like it takes everything in you to like focus and just breathe like breathing is like the hardest thing in the world when you're just in that much pain um, but going back to the shaking, yes, I started like shaking so bad. And I was like, is this
0: adrenaline? Like, what is this? Oh, I know. <laughs> I wanted to know too. And I just remember the nurses telling me it was a good thing. They're like, yeah, this is normal. This is the okay. normal part of labor. And I was like, What?
1: Why? Lord, that's no crazy. way.
0: I thought I knew everything. I thought uh-huh. I knew yep. it all. I thought I had completely, you know, immersed myself in, you know, all of the education and, and then there, you, there you are, you know, in the moment finding out something new. Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch like a bunch of birthing videos
1: or do yep. any of the classes? Huh? Yep. Yep. You did. It. Okay. See, so, and you know, I was the opposite. So I went in there. Like I said, I, I watched a couple homebirds, but that was obviously completely different than what I went through, um, at, at the hospital, but I didn't read anything. I didn't talk to anybody about it. I didn't, you know, watch any videos. And I don't know like what's worse, like thinking back, I don't know if it would have benefited me to learn how to breathe and learn how to like, you know, have Ryan coach me a little bit more or cause he was the same way. Like we were just like two deers stuck in a headlight. Like we had yeah. no idea what was happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Jess, I, I ask myself the same question every day. Uh Like, did I do too much or did I not do enough? You know? Right. That's what I, I I'm like, Oh, should I have done more hypno birthing meditation stuff? You know, did I, was I not, exercising enough towards the end, you know, like, just so much. Um, did you, I mean, did you have any major realizations or surprises throughout the process that just hit you really hard? Um, I mean,
1: I, I, I think the biggest thing for me, um, like I said, when Everett was first put on my chest, like, though, you know, those photos you see of these moms and those babies, just, I mean, the, they're just like not from this world. Like, they're just like the most beautiful photos, and you could just feel the love in those photos yes. when they first hold and smell their baby. I was so so like far gone in another world like floating on the ceiling that i did not get that like i didn't get that feeling and i think that was like really hard when i was you know recovering in the hospital with everett i was like why didn't i feel that like why didn't i get that instantaneous especially you know i thought after going through ibf and it took us 7 years and such a journey to get him. Like, why didn't I feel just so overwhelmed? And I don't know. I still kind of ask myself that. Um, so I think that was the something, or that was something that just really, I guess, caught me off guard. Um, but when I came home, when I was about three weeks postpartum, I remember sitting on the couch with him and we were doing skin to skin and, just looking down at him and I just started sobbing and crying. Like I was so happy that the only thing that could come out was just tears. And then I, I felt like I got that moment then at home, Mm,
0: you know, mm. I'm so glad you were able to, to reach that level of euphoria that you were craving. Yes. Yes. That's lovely. I think so too. Yeah. Um, well, let's go back to that conversation that we had before I delivered June where we were discussing the differences between birthing an IVF baby and birthing non-IVF babies and how some doctors are split on this. Um, yes. you know, personally from in in my experience in my world, you know, in that third trimester, I was getting different advice from my fertility doctor who told me Mm -hmm. don't go past 39 weeks. And then I was having my OB was saying, whatever you want to do, you know, I'll do, you know, we can do whatever you want. And then I was getting the hospital saying, we don't induce people before 40 weeks. So I yes. had like these three different yeah like opinions. I mean, my OB didn't really have an opinion. She was like whatever you want to do, I want to support you. Um uh-huh. but I just I I felt like I was having to navigate these di- two different like schools of thought. Yep. And it was driving me nuts.
1: Yes. I remember you calling
0: me. Yeah. And you're like, what
1: did your doctor say? And to me, it doesn't, like I said, I've never gotten a straight answer. Like, what's the science behind that? Like, why would an IVF baby be any different than a natural conception? Like, why would, why couldn't, you know, an IVF mother go to over 41 weeks? Like, why? (laughs) And I never got an answer. They just said, nope, you, we won't let you go past 41 weeks. Like that was like, I didn't have a choice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm going to do some investigating on this because I, I think that it, Calls for some sleuthing. Um, Yes, you should, and then you should let
1: me know because I'm sure so many other women go through this too. Yeah, me
0: too. I know I'm not the only one. Yep, or you're not the only one. So yeah, and I remember having the conversation with my acupuncturist actually, and she was like, "I want to know, like, is it because IVF babies, people who are having IVF babies, tend to be a little bit." older, you know, like that demographic oh, of women are a little yeah. bit older. So is that why they're concerned about it going past a certain point? Or, it, you know, is there a different? Is it, is it the process? Is it the, yeah. you know, the way in which the embryo is put into the uterus that is cause for concern. Like I want to know the science, like what's the science breakdown, you know? Right. Yeah. And I would be really interested to know
1: too. I know that um, this is kind of, you know, veering in a different direction, but the whole retained placenta or placenta accreta or placenta previa, all of those like placental issues I have, you know, been doing a bunch of research and it's to me I I mean I'm not a doctor so don't take my word but it I almost think that the medications from IVF can sometimes increase a woman's chances of developing some sort of placenta issues.
0: Well, I had I had a placenta issue. I had placenta accreta. Oh,
1: <gasps> you did?
0: Yeah. I mean, it See, was, and I didn't it, it was focal. It wasn't like a, I guess from again, guys, like listeners, we're not doctors. We're just no. sharing our experience <laughs> yes. and pe- trying to piecemeal, you know, some sense out uh-huh. of it. Um, yes. But from what I understand, placenta accreta, there's a spectrum and like you can have a full accreta, like the placenta like a whole side of it can be attached into the uterus or like embedded, or you could have just one part of it um, embedded into the muscle of the uterus. And that's what I had. I just had a small portion of the placenta that buried deep into the uterus. Um, Okay. See, that's what they thought was the case with me because
1: they were having so much trouble delivering the placenta after birth.
0: No, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I had
1: it sent to, they had, they sent pieces of my placenta out for testing to see if it was placenta accreta.
0: Yeah. And, and it, I didn't even know that they had to do that, that they had to yeah. go through a pathology to figure yes. that mm-hmm. out. Can't you just see it when like it's not coming out right like don't right. doesn't that exactly. just you know put two and two together yeah. i don't know
1: yeah that's wild so did you um i guess when you have a c section so they just surgically remove the placenta
0: then because it was embedded yes and they okay and that was one of the reasons why it was um revealed to me later it was a good thing that i had a c section because they were able to fully detach the placenta um, without major hemorrhage. I had no idea our birth stories were so frigging
1: similar. Like this is I know. very similar, but just, just different terminology.
0: Yes. <laughs> you know? And, yes. Well, and, and different methods too, is. you know, yeah. like uh, I had a C-section and you had a va- vaginal birth and like, you know, there's, this there's so, but there's still so many similarities. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well,
1: and my doctor did say like, when I had to go back three weeks postpartum, because how I found out that I um, had retained placenta is I was at home and I was holding Everett on my stomach and I started like hemorrhaging in bed and I was like, I don't know if this is like a normal postpartum bleed or if I'm starting my period early. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up going in for an ultrasound and there was pulse everywhere still stuck in my uterus and my milk never came in too.
0: Oh, so, wow.
1: Yeah. I was made, I was pumping, um, and we didn't have a good latch. So I just went straight to the pump after we got home from the hospital. And I was maybe pumping an ounce every um, three hours. And I was just religious at it, like just pumping, pumping, trying to get more and doing all the things and the tea and the pills. And and then, yes, yeah, so we found out that's why um, my milk didn't come in is because the placenta. And so when I went back three weeks postpartum, they, you know, did that other surgery to remove it. And then when I got home and was recovering, then my milk came in. Wow. Yeah. And I was an overproducer at that point.
0: No so, way.
1: Wow. Yeah. yeah, I was producing like um at least 10 more ounces a day than Everett was eating or 12 ounces. Wow.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: so uh, it's just it's wild like all the things um where was I going with that though? Oh, so my doctor did say, you know, if we um, are able to carry another child like C section right off the bat. Like he was like, I wouldn't even mess with a vaginal birth
0: mm. because
1: this most likely will happen again. Yep. Um, yep. You know, and at this point, my uterus is absolutely trashed. It's, I'm dealing with Asherman's syndrome.
0: Um, it's just, you know, one thing after another. But and, and do you mind, um, I, I'm not familiar with Asherman's syndrome. What Can you yeah. give us just a small snippet into that? Yeah. So I'm still learning a lot, but
1: pretty much um, in my case, I developed Asherman's because I had so much trauma to my uterus. Um, usually the number one cause for Asherman's is like multiple or repeated DNCs. So it's, you know, any kind of scraping of the uterus. And essentially what happens is your uterus just seals together with, um, scarring, scar tissue.
0: Mm, and, mm.
1: and then, um, also though, I've found out Asherman's, you could just develop this without having a DNC. Cause I've, I've seen a couple women just have this after, after birth. Wow. Um, so essentially, yeah, it's just trauma caused to the uterus. And then it, um, the scarring just, you know, it seals itself shut. So in my case, um, because of the two D and Cs I had right after birth, um, it's sealed shut in the middle and the very far back in the front of it is open. So I'm still having periods. So a lot of times with... Asherman's, you don't bleed at all. Mm. And the bad part is, is sometimes you still, your body is still menstruating, but that blood is just going not out. It's, it's going into your body. And so a lot of women deal with like severe pain. Um, I've been dealing with really bad pain around ovulation and periods, Mm. uh, or like my cycle. Um, so yeah, so the, The cure, I guess, or the um, treatment, I should say, for Ashermans is they have you on birth control um, and then you have to go in for yet another surgery. Um, Some doctors put you on like an estrogen right after that surgery to prevent the uterus and the scarring from forming and sticking back together. And then some doctors do um, a balloon. So they stick a balloon in your uterus. Uh, you know immediately following following surgery and then have it removed in about 7 days and the hope with that is is to keep the uterus open so it doesn't scar back shut i um, see yeah. and i guess there's a lot of different views on that method but i don't know i'm just kind of i was ju- we just discovered this um 2 3 months ago so i'm it's like a whole new world it's one of those crazy rare Um, I don't, I don't know if it's considered a disease, um, but it's so rare that when you Google it, the same, all the, all they, um, all the only information that pops up is like this same paragraph describing what Asherman's is. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of frustrating because there's not anything out there. There's not a lot of information. Um, Yeah. So Kelsey, actually, from It's Kelsey's Life on Instagram, she has dealt with Asherman's for some time now, and she's been an amazing resource. I mean, there's been a, a couple other women, too, that I've been speaking to, and that's like, you know, like infertility. When you start speaking about your infertility, you just make so many connections, and I don't know. It's it's like my saving grace, you know, to have to be able to talk to other women that are going through exactly what I'm going through. So, yeah,
0: that I mean, there's nothing like that kind of connection, you know, there isn't are really mm-hmm. it's really hard to put a price on being just being understood about something yeah. that is not people really do, like you said, there's not a lot of information out there about you know? Right. Um, well, as we kind of round, round out the convo here, um, for anyone listening who is going through an IVF pregnancy for the first time, what advice do you have for them?
1: Oh, I would say the biggest one for me personally was to get out of my own head. I felt I was so used to things just going wrong and shit hitting the fan that I thought I I was like walking on eggshells my entire pregnancy. And I was just terrified that I was going to lose Everett. I was terrified that I was going to go into birth early. I was terrified to give birth. Like there was just so many fears. And I think that I, I missed out on a lot of you know, the beautiful parts of pregnancy, like I almost didn't even take maternity photos just because I was so afraid of jinxing it. Mm. Um, I was so afraid to take monthly bump photos and Ryan, I remember would force me to go out. We always took it in the same spot, um, outside and he would like force me. Okay. Let's, I got the camera ready. Let's go. And I didn't want to, but he, and he knew I was, I was just scared. You know, I was scared that photo would ruin that pregnancy. And um, it took me a while to really enjoy like all the movements and all the kicks. And I mean, there's no shame in if you have one of those Dopplers. I know a lot of people don't like those, but I bought a Doppler when we were about when we first found out we were pregnant and I listened to Everett's heartbeat every, like that was my ritual every night when Ryan would get home, I'd listen to his heartbeat and that's what would get me to the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that helped me. I know for a lot of women, it, that doesn't help them and that's fine. But I think just finding something that, that will get you to that next day and overcoming the fear and disappointment, like infertility has, you know, driven into our soul just Mm -hmm. getting past that point and finding whatever
0: whatever you know gets you to that next day yeah um like finding just little bridges of joy this is what i'm i'm just sort of like as you're talking i'm just thinking of like bridges from connecting you from one place to another you know moving you forward you know yes absolutely yeah Oh, Jess, this has just been such a profound conversation because I think that I wish more women shared, you know, their birth story after infertility. Because sometimes I think infertility sort of shadows, you know, the the infertility shadow can kind of cast, you know, a lot of darkness for yes. for a long time you know and then and, yeah and when you go through something when you have a traumatic birth experience it's like wait a second like no 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 infertility was was supposed to be the bet ba- the bad guy yeah didn't I pay my dues yeah didn't I pay <laughs> my dues like wait a second there th- this yeah. can't I I can't be getting like dealt another bad, bad hand of cards, you know? Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I really appreciate you being here and sharing your story. How can people um, follow you, follow your journey into motherhood on Instagram?
1: Yeah, so I am at um, at mama in the making 21 dot 22. Um, and I'm pretty active on Instagram. I, I feel like all I talk about these days is baby food, (laughs) but, um, but there's, you know, like you said, infertility when, you know, whether you've dealt with it for a couple months, a couple years, a couple decades, it takes a really long time to, um, heal from it. And as we all know, healing is not linear. And even today, Millie, like I'm so thankful for you in this podcast, um, and allowing me to share my birth story. Um, I was a wreck this morning. I was crying. I couldn't sleep last night. Just even the thought of talking about my birth story, it, it just sent me down a spiral. And now that I'm sitting here and talking about it. And I didn't cry through this whole interview. I'm like, well, maybe it wasn't that bad. You know, I think we do that to ourselves. We're like, well, other people are going to listen to this and it's not going to, it's not that bad, but it is in my heart. And in my mind, it was, it's still something that I'm processing and yeah, you know, birth is a really big deal. And I never realized that until you know, I was the one pushing a baby out. Like my sisters just never spoke about it. And I don't know if it's because of my struggles or what, but yeah, birth is insane. So anyways, going back to thank you.
0: Well, that's a good point though, you know, because I do feel sometimes like when you go through infertility, you don't want to hear you know, the bad yeah. parts about birth, you don't care. You're yeah. just, you're so glad you're almost there. You're so glad yes. to be pregnant. You're so glad to be in your third trimester. You know, you're yeah. so glad to finally, you know, be meeting this person. And I don't even think if anybody told me how traumatic birth could be, I, I don't think I would have given them, you know, the time of day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I would have been totally, receptive to what they wanted to tell me because I was just yep. so pregnant. I, I I was so glad I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. I
1: 100% agree with you. Yeah, I think I was blindsided by it. Um, and my pregnancy was, I didn't have really any complications um, besides the rib pain, which is not a complication. It's just an annoyance. Mm-hmm. but. It was, it was easy and it was seamless and I loved every second about it and I loved how I felt mentally. Um, and yeah, I almost wish I would have known. How dark and how scary birth can be, but I think, like you said, I don't think I would have listened. Yeah, I you don't know, know
0: if it's I like would have
1: listened. yeah, exactly. it was like when we went when we were going th- in the thick of infertility. If a pregnant woman came up to me and was complaining about how crappy she felt, I probably wouldn't have listened. Right, you know,
0: right, because you're
1: just I don't know, you just you don't know until you're.
0: In it. Yeah. You've got blinders. I definitely had yeah. blinders on, you know? Yeah. Um, anyways, Jess, you are the best. I'm so, you know, the, again, like y- you can't put a price on, you know, relatable experiences and sharing them with people who understand. So, yeah. you know, this has just been really helpful for me too. Thank you. I love you. And everybody, go follow Jess and watch how she makes these purees for Everett. It's just adorable. (laughs) They look good. They're good. This is some good stuff. She is a good chef. All right, Jess. Thank you so much, Melly.